This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Equity Mind. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. I'm pumped for this episode. Uh, for a lot of Australians, for a lot of our listeners, uh, investing in property is the dream. But with property prices feeling more and more out of reach, it feels like it's not something that is accessible. But the good news is that through the stock market, you can invest in property. You can invest in property these days with as little as a few dollars. And uh, we've got one of the CEOs of one of Australia's biggest property uh, investment trusts here to talk to us about it. That's right, Ren. It is our absolute pleasure to welcome to Equity Mates, Darren Steinberg, CEO of Dexas. Darren, welcome. Thank you. Good morning, guys. So, Darren is the CEO of Dexas and Executive Director of Dexas Funds Management Limited. Dexas is an Australian real estate investment trust managing an Australian property portfolio valued at $42.5 billion. Darren has over 30 years experience in the property and funds management industry with an extensive background in office, industrial and retail property investment and development. And we're going to be unpacking all of it today, the impact of COVID, the views of Dexas on sustainability, and then closing out with people and culture as always. So, Ren, let's crack in. Yeah. Now, Darren, uh, we've got a lot to cover today, but we always like to start by hearing uh, a company leader describe their companies in their own words. So, to kick us off today, uh, what is Dexas? So, guys, Dexas is a fully integrated real estate company, and that means that we invest in, lease, manage, and develop Australian real estate. Yeah, we invest only in Australia. As you said before, we manage a portfolio of about $42.5 billion of which 7.5% of that uh, predominantly office, industrial and healthcare sits on our balance sheet. And the rest, the other $25 billion of office, retail, industrial and healthcare properties, we manage for third-party clients. And those third-party clients can be anything from the large sovereign funds, Australian pension funds, and also now with our recent acquisition of the APN Property Group, we do a number of high net wealth and, uh, and individual retail investors. Mm. So, Dexas is one of many real estate investment trusts or REITs that's listed on the ASX. For those retail investors listening who may think REITs are all quite similar, how do you think about competitive advantage in this space and particularly what sort of separates Dexas from other listed REITs? Well, I've been fortunate in my career to work for a number of uh, listed REITs. So, there's three things that sort of stand out for me when I look to how Dexas sort of differentiates itself from our peers. First one is the talented management because you can put good management into any asset class and deliver excellent returns. 
So the quality and experience of our people is the first uh, point that differentiates us. The second one is actually the high quality real estate portfolio that underpins our earnings that we own on our balance sheet. You know, undoubtedly through, you know, markets go up and markets go down, but good property always holds its value and delivers returns over the medium to long term, which is what real estate investing is all about. And the third point is the diversification of our income streams. I think one thing that COVID has truly shown is diversification is really important. And for us, you know, we have several income streams as a, as a shelter indexes that you get access to. You get the income off the direct investments, you get our funds management fees, you get our trading business, and you get our property management and development fees as well. So that diversification really helps. So, Darren, it sounds like just like stocks always goes up, property always goes up as well. Is that right? <laughs> I, I, wish it, I wish it was that easy. Um, but property does work in cycles. But one thing that's become very evident to me and, and even with mentors that I've sort of worked with over the past 30 years, um, you know, good quality property appropriately levered shows you good returns through cycles. Uh, it, yet over a one-year period, it may go up, it may go down. You may have a short blip in your income. But good quality property, properly located, is the source of you know, wealth creation. Now, Darren, we were particularly excited to speak to you today because you know COVID has impacted every industry, but the last 18 months have been particularly volatile for the property industry. On one hand, we've had lockdowns, working from home, office vacancies, uh, some retailers not paying rent. On the other hand, we've had record low interest rates, you know, demand record demand for industrial property and a hot residential property market. It seems like there's so much going on in the space. So we'd love you to take us inside the room. What's it been like leading Dexas for the last 18 months through this COVID period? Yeah, look, I'm, I've been quite fortunate is that I've sort of run companies such as Dexas for a long time now, probably, you know, been at senior levels for around 20 years. And I suppose, you know, we always talk about black swan events. And I, I was fortunate to have cut my teeth in the 2008 crisis when I was running the the colonial uh, first eight property business, which consisted of um, sort of three listed trusts and a variety of unlisted trusts. And and during that time, I had some very good directors um, that I was working with. And we always had this philosophy of, you know, keep your real estate lowly levered and um, good quality real estate will see you through the cycles. And we, and we got through that relatively unscathed compared to many of our peers. You know, we weren't chasing growth. We weren't running around offshore in markets we didn't know. And I suppose I took many of those learnings into Dexas. So you get to the this black swan event and um, and the most important thing here, and I, I actually found this less stressful in 2008 because there was nothing here that you'd actually done wrong. So it's just another event that we had to manage through. And so look at Dexas, we've really worked on creating agile, flexible, resilient workforces. And we've been working on that for about eight or nine years and you know, I'm probably going into my 10th year now. So what you, you always strive to develop those kind of, um, you know, that ability in your management team, but you never get to stress test it. So over the last two years, we have really stress tested that. And what's been probably the most pleasing element, yes, we've had some good success. We've, we've done some great transactions. We've, we've produced some really good returns in a very volatile environment. But the most pleasing thing to me is just the way the management team has performed and, and moved on. And, you know, during that, this last 12 months, we've undertaken 6.4 billion of transactions. You know, we sold, we sold, we moved very quickly and sold assets quickly at, at very good prices. And we're able to redeploy that capital into higher returning opportunities for investors while also maintaining a very strong balance sheet. 
Um, you know, we've leased over 195,000 square metres of space. And, and, you know, this time last year, you know, there was a big question mark on the future of office. Where's office going to go? Our industrial portfolio is running at about 98% occupied. So, you know, I think what, what has clearly become evident is a couple of things over the past 12 months. First of all, you know, the, the doomsdays of, of offices is dead. We don't need offices anymore. That's, that's well and truly passed both here and, glo- and globally. The office is remaining a key part of people's workplaces. And, it, and it's easy if you've got a, a nice big house and a room by yourself, it's easy to operate flexibly. But, you know, the, the three key things of culture, collaboration and innovation, those three elements of people's workplaces are still, at this point in time, better done in person in the office. What is evident, though, both here and globally, is that people are going to operate more flexibly. So there was all this talk about flexible working, and I'll use Dexas as an example. We've had a flexible working policy for five years, and in that time, pre-COVID, we probably had one or two people that were using it. You know, we had a guy you know, that relocated to the south coast with his family, and he'd, he'd Zoom in, but of course he was the only one Zooming in. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> yeah, he'd, come, he'd come up every couple of weeks, and he did a great job, but it was just a bit strange. It wasn't great. So mo- moving forward, you know, we will be operating more flexibly a lot with other people, but this whole... I'm going to be flexible. That's not, hey, I'm playing golf today because that's just called chaos, right? <laughs> and we, we worked through that last year. said, hey, I'm operating from home. I'm flexible. I'm not going to be in that meeting. Um, so, so that's not what it's about. So I think a lot of organisations are going through this. And what does it mean for their workplace? Well, of, of our 195,000 square metres of leasing, and that's across a variety of small, medium and large enterprises, a lot of them have taken the same space or even a touch larger but how they are reworking this space internally is changing. So a lot more breakout spaces, a lot more collaboration spaces. You know, I'm back in an office for the first time in 20 years because we're doing more meetings like this, you know, with various lockdowns and, and et cetera, not being able to go overseas to talk to some of our large investors. So that trend, I believe, will continue because what you can't have is – and let's say this Monday to Friday thing seems to be when people work more flexibly. Not, it's not just an Aussie thing, guys. It's, it's a global thing. Um, but if people want to come to the office on Wednesday and Thursday, you can't tell them they can't come. You still would have space for them. And that's why this space is about the same. I think the other trend we've noticed in our leasing, from a leasing perspective anyway, is this, still this move, which was a pre-COVID trend of moving into the CBDs because – this war for talent is still going to be around and the, the talent wants to be in the CBDs where they can go to the pubs and restaurants when they're open and knock into their mates and network. It's very hard to network if you're stuck in a standalone building in Macquarie Park, for example, if you're based in Sydney. Um, so a couple of other trends from COVID. Look, retail retail was going through its own challenges pre-COVID um, anyway. Those challenges about online and, and there's other ways to get your product to consumers that, that has evolved further and obviously a lot more people have been taking up the use of internet shopping, et cetera. But once again, that's not without its challenges. It's probably if you're a retailer, a lot of them aren't set up properly. It's costly, returns, all the other things. So that trend appears to be stabilising now. And, of course, industrial has been one of the big big winners out of this. Industrial, uh, the take-up in industrial space through online retailing or distribution, um, you know, the leasing take-up has been huge right across the country. 
Yeah, I used to work for Woolworths, Darren, at the head office out at um, Bella Vista in Sydney, and the size of that office was just enormous. So I can only imagine sort of what they're thinking at the moment with the entire workforce working from home, how they're going to recreate that space to make it still valuable for for their staff. It's really interesting, and, and most of, and you can imagine we talk through our customer base to most of the chief executives in the country, really. A lot of people are struggling with what this means, and there's a real disparity between the workers that are very happy working from home, the probably the the older workers. Like it's very easy for me to operate remotely. I've been doing this for 30 years. I can talk to my investors around the globe. I can go for a walk. I can hit it, have a round of golf, which I took up again in, uh, <laughs> in very, very badly, of course. Um, but um, that's that is 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 really challenging because. You know, we've got grads that have now had two years in the business that, that haven't been getting the benefit of, you know, working with myself or some of their some of their mm. colleagues. The culture of the business is something that's really important for driving returns. And if you it's very hard to get that culture, you know, on a on a Zoom or on a um, you know, whatever sort of tool you're using to 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 bounce around with your staff. Mm. Yeah, and just learnings like there there are days and we've been very active with with M and A. It's very, very challenging. If I want to talk to my head of strategy, he's on another call, then I'm on a call versus just popping out of my office. Hey, let's whiteboard this scenario. It's incredibly frustrating and, and there is a real lack of productivity. I don't care what anyone says and don't differentiate between the software guys that are trying to sell everyone software and reality. A lot of these software guys want people back in the offices because they know their productivity is suffering. Mm, mm. Well, let's turn attention to interest rates. We know we're obviously in a very low interest rate environment at the moment. So, we'd love to get your thoughts. Is this an opportunity to lever up? We're obviously, this lower for longer, this catchphrase is, is well and truly with us. Yeah, what's going on now um, with these continued lockdowns is going to see another hit to GDP and it's going to take a while to ramp up out of it. The So, as a result of that, you're going to see lower interest rates, you yeah. know, Effectively, it's going to make property and real assets, you're seeing a real push for real assets become even more attractive and you've seen the bid for Sydney airports and you know, we're seeing a very strong bid right across the board for any you know, good quality offices we put on the market. The, um, you know, I think it's inevitably the rates will hopefully get moving, but it's probably two to three years away and I suppose the key point for everyone to remember is it's all very well, you know, particularly for the mum and dad investors, you see a lot of syndicates saying, well, here's a you know, 10-year lease or a five-year lease to a government tenant in a, let's say, secondary area that's going to be very hard to release when that lease comes to an end or it's going to need a whole lot of capex thrown at it to, to get it leased again, which is going to really hurt its return. Um, don't be tempted to, to lever up into secondary real estate and, in fact, and keep your real estate appropriately levered. And for good quality real estate, uh, for me, that is around, you know, let's say I've always tried to run my vehicles around 30% levered with a push to 40 if I see something really attractive on the understanding I'm going to bring that back again. Today, Dexas is running at about 26% levered, but we have a $15 billion development pipeline that's going to come up. But, you know, someone like Dexas has access to, you know, very strong third-party capital pro- you know, partners that will come in, you know, the, the big pension funds that I spoke about before, and we're very diversified, so I can afford to take my leverage to 30 35%. But if you've just got a single asset with a single tenant or a couple of tenants, I'd be very cautious. Mm. 
So this year, Dexas has been pretty active in the M&A space, uh, merging the Wholesale Property Fund with AMP's Capital Diversified Property Fund, and then uh, entering a proposal to acquire APN Property Group. How should investors think about this uh, M&A activity and the inorganic growth that comes from it? And I guess more generally, is there benefits uh, for REITs as they get greater and get greater scale? Yeah, look, real estate is a scale game. And I, and I think the, the main purpose of that is, first of all, you know, this whole wave of technology that is, is going across all industries, it costs money to fully integrate your business and get the latest and greatest technologies, no matter who you are. If you're a small player, you just can't. You just don't have the money to set up the infrastructure required and the cost base to run it efficiently and effectively. And as you as you spend that money, you get more efficient, which means you can actually run things on lower lower fees and provide better returns. Hopefully, scale also gives you more data. So, you know, Dexas, as one of the largest owners of commercial real estate in the country, yeah, we have more data than any of these small players, any of the agents. Yeah, we we own circa. 20 to 25% of each of the major CBDs. So from a leasing perspective in office, for example, all the agents feed all the data into us, but we're the only ones that get to see all that data. Plus we've got our own leasing team of about 15 people that are dealing with leases. So, you know, I'm a big believer that the data, he who has the data has a competitive advantage. So when we're buying assets or selling assets or, you know, taking a view on where rent should be, we have more information than anyone else and if we've got the right people we should be able to get better outcomes with that so that's really important um when you look at growth look i'm a big believer in organic and inorganic growth because when you bolt on companies there's a cultural element so the the big thing about apn is that um that was a very good cultural fit they think the same way as us good quality don't over lever uh, you know and they think about their investors first quite quite frankly you know not many organisations are culturally aligned like that. They're more about growing fund for fund's sake, while Dexas is about returns to investors, whether you're in the listed stock or whether you're in any number of our unlisted funds or the smaller REITs, it's about the returns because if we don't deliver the returns, then we're not going to attract the capital. So that, that's our mantra. We have no fund targets. Like many other fund managers, they say, well, we're going to grow to X billion of fund. From my perspective, and, and our mantra is, we're going to deliver performance and then people are going to want to invest with us. So that's that's how we operate. So um, so what APN gave us was more breadth. So prior to that bolt-on, Texas had a lot of, you know, sovereign funds, you know, large Australian pension funds and, and global pension funds, but we didn't have a lot of, you know, high net wealth uh, retail investment. So by bolting on APN, it's accessed greater diversity of, of funds for us. There's an industrial fund there, a convenience retail fund, Previously, we were doing a lot of the industrial on the balance sheet, uh, which is more diversified. So this is an industrial only vehicle, and um, and what that will enable us to do is to use our expertise in acquisitions, leasing, development, and all that data I spoke about before to exponentially grow those smaller funds uh, to the benefit of, of all unit holders, of which Dexas is a very large unit holder in those funds. Now, Darren, before we turn to the discussion around sustainability, uh, which is very important for the equity mates community. We're just going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So just for some context for the Equity Mates community, Dexas has been recognized as a global sustainability leader with your funds ranking highly against benchmarks. In 2020, Dexas was recognized as the most sustainable real estate company in the world for the second consecutive year. Dexas originally was aiming for net zero by 2030, but you've subsequently brought that forward to net zero by the end of FY22. What changes have enabled you to overshoot the original goal by what seems like a pretty significant margin? Yeah. First of all, guys, look, sustainability has been a catch cry in real estate since the 1980s. So (laughs) it's not new to the real estate industry and the real estate sector. It's something that sort of it blows me away a little bit when you, you know, all of a sudden everyone's talking about it, but real estate's been there since the 80s. And why? Because if you run your real estate in a more sustainable manner, you're going to run it more effectively. It's going to be cheaper for your customers, which means hopefully if their outgoings are cheaper, you can charge more rent. So you're going to get a better return. So it makes good business sense. And it's been ingrained inside um, Dexas, you know, um, that that's the way we want to run our buildings in a more sustainable and effective way. So um, achieving net zero for us was about increasing renewable energy and energy efficiency, which, as I said, we've been on that journey for close to 40 years. And over the past few years, we've made really great uh, progress. So in 2018, we drove innovation in re- renewable energy procurement through agreeing um, the industry's first renewable energy supply agreement with Red Energy for our New South Wales portfolio. And this year, we set up some new renewable energy agreements in Queensland and Victoria. So it's taken us a while to to work and find the right providers, but that now has given us the capability to procure renewables across the majority of our portfolio. Um, I think the real challenge is is also uh, aligning with uh, the consumer sentiment and to meet the investment appetite for this. And what's been really eye-opening for me, and, and I've run very large retail portfolios before, is all of a sudden, it's not just us as the owner wanting to do this. The the, the tenants are now looking at it for, in, for, their, for their leases. You've got the investors now. It's top of mind. And, and over the last you know, two years, we only used to meet at the Dexas headstock level with the portfolio managers and the large investors. All of a sudden, we've got the ESG guys in there. So this is a big change and you know one that's been long sort of long awaited is that it's not just us as landlords pushing it now, it is the investment community and the customers. And so you're going to see a big push, no matter what the government decides to do, the business community is going to push this because it's the right thing to do. And, you know, whether you're a believer or not a believer, I think the facts are, and you're seeing so many climate-related weather incidents happening globally, that, you know, the more we can do to decarbonise, the better it's going to be. Yeah, 100% agree with that sentiment, Darren. I I used to work at Coles in their sustainability team and I remember, you know, vendors would try and uh, sell us different things and Dexas was often uh, held up as an example of a company that was well ahead on a lot of these, you know, sustainability and climate metrics. So I think you should first of all be commended for, for those efforts. But I guess if you, you know, if you had another message for all the ASX uh, leaders out there, um, what can they learn from your efforts and um, what should they be emulating in your uh, in their businesses? Yeah, look, it, it, 
It's a very, it's a big challenge. And I, I sit on a forum with a number of chief executives, particularly in mining and potash and you know, electricity. There are huge, huge challenges uh, for this. And I do understand the, the reluctance of some of them to push into it. But I, but I suppose I, I would recommend that they get a group of executives, don't make it someone's you know, second job over and above their day job and basically sit them in the corner and give them specific goals to achieve. And I think that's the only way you're going to get going here. You can't say, hey, you're an IR, you're now going to be the sustainability guy. And you can't under-resource this because it, 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 it is going to take some different thinking. It's going to take some, some financial impact. And I, and I suppose this is, this is the never-ending debate and challenge that the chief executives have, no matter what the industry, the impact of providing earnings growth for investors in the Australian market is very focused on earnings growth, probably more so than other listed markets across the globe, and the capital spend that could impact that uh, on becoming a more sustainable entity. Darren, of all the um, expert investors that we've interviewed, many of them often say that understanding management and the people of of the business within the business is incredibly important to better inform our investing decisions. So let's turn our conversation to people and culture and how you think about that. Do you have a leadership philosophy as CEO? Look, I'm quite an adaptive leader, shall we say, or a situational leader. So that is, as I said, I've been doing this quite a while now. So um, I adopt a range of different styles depending on what's happening at the time in the business. And that could be transformational, it can be transactional, or it can be coaching. And I think that's one of those things that you evolve over time. So I'm undoubtedly a better leader today than I was early on in my tenure as a chief executive. And I think early on, you try and take safe bets, you know, particularly with people. And I suppose one of the the biggest learnings that I can sort of share with people over the past decade is that if you take bigger risks and, and you just want the best people, right? So, and that is now probably more diverse than I was early on because, you know, early on I'd probably, you know, have a beer, you know, with Bryce, see him around the pub or, you know, be, be, being around and I knew that he'd be a safe pick. While today uh, if I'm looking for talent and, and it's all about the best talent, um, yeah, I'll, I'll have a far more diverse spread and, and as a result of that, you know, we've got some very, very good executives at Dexas that are really driving our organisation that wouldn't have been there 15 years ago if I was running it. Um, so think of it, you know, I've got a very strong sporting background, uh, co- coaching, uh, played a lot of uh, hockey when I was younger and coming from WA, it was a big sport over there. I know no one sort of knows much about it over here. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I did a lot of coaching of juniors, uh, women's teams, men's teams, uh, and played at, you know, first grade for you know, 200 games. So, what I like to do is develop, you know, my leadership team is, is built like a, any team. There's flexible. They can go into any situation, hopefully multi, run multiple. If someone gets sick or has to go away, then I can move them across into another position. Um, and that's, you know, really worked well for me over, as I said, a 20-year period now. On that point of building a team, Darren, um Bryce and I have never worked in the property industry, but the perception that we get is that it's incredibly competitive um, and there's a number of big players and it, it feels like there would be a, a red-hot competition for talent um, among in, in the industry. How do you think about, I guess, getting the best talent and building the best team? Is there anything that you try and do differently at Dexas or try and do better than your competitors? Yeah, look, um, 
Yeah, I'll share it with you guys, but not with everyone else. Like, <laughs> that's that smart to be in property, okay? <laughs> um, now, look, what, what I think a lot of people, old, old, in the old days, you had to yeah, come from a real estate stream and a real estate background, and I'm talking commercial here, not residential. We don't, we don't do much residential. Um, so, yeah, you had to sort of grow up in, you know, you're a property manager, a leasing guy, and you come through, and I still like to have many of my senior people you know, do that space because you have to know how it works to be good at running it and, and investing in it. But um, I suppose what I look for today is just really smart people. But it's a combination. You want the smart, smart people, and then you can train them up in the real estate. But you also want people, people. I think too many industries and organisations now just go for the smartest guys, but the smartest guys aren't always going to be get, you know, aren't going to be people, people. And to have a successful company. You've got to have the people people around as well. So what you see with Dexas is a combination of both. We've got some ultra-smart guys that may have come out of investment banking or finance, um, and they are now, you know, running a strategy or um, development. But once once we find them, we try to give them a really good range of experience. So our Chief Operating Officer, Melanie Burke, for example, she was in finance for 13 years, tucked away, hidden away, and all the finance people had hidden her. Um, a few years ago, we, we pulled her out and she did um, a stint working in the office of the chief executive doing sort of various projects. She then went and uh, did IR for a year and a half, running around the world, talking to her investors, helping with the investors' relations. She then went and ran an office portfolio for two years, and today she's our chief operating officer. She knows how our business works from top to bottom. Super smart, um, but you know, with that diverse background now, you know, she will one day be a chief executive of a property organisation, hopefully, hopefully Dexas. Well, we always like to finish with the same questions, final three questions, Darren. And so it's always about the future of, of your company. So let's start at the top. What, what does the next 12 months look like for Dexas? Yeah. So, look, I, I would hope uh, that we are out of these lockdowns over the next sort of two to three months as people get vaccinated. Um, there'll then be a ramp-up period. And then with the amount of stimulus that I believe will be pumped in the system both here and globally, it should be relatively good times for groups like Dexas as we get a reopening trade. You know, we've got currently um, our rent collections are about 97% across our office business because a lot of offices are operating quite well and still profitable and they need those workplaces for when we get back. But it's the small business guys that feed off the CBDs that sit under the office buildings. They've had two years of interrupted income and it will take a while for them to ramp up. So I'm hoping there'll be quite a good reopening bounce um, for us uh, over the next 12 months. And, of course, with the low interest rates, if we can create good investment product for our investors, that demand for that product that is very strong today and we continue to see strong should continue as well. So, Darren, turning to uh, some of the risks uh, that Dexas faces, uh, what would you say is the biggest risk to your business right now? Yeah, so look, I, I think there's, a, there's always a variety of risks, but the, the, the current number one risk is that, you know, we continue to get this political fighting within our country and that the, there's continued lockdowns, even once people have had the opportunity to be um, vaccinated. That is going to be detrimental to the Australian economy and anything that's detrimental to the Australian economy is detrimental to real estate companies such as Dexas. And then final question, Darren, and before uh, we ask it, we just really want to say thank you for taking the time today. I think it's been a great conversation and I'm sure uh, our audience have taken a lot away from it. 
Um, here at Equity Mates, we like to be long-term investors and think long-term. So if you think about Dexus in 10 years' time, what does success look like? I think success looks like uh, Dexus will have a large amount of assets under management. We will be providing very good outcomes for our investors and using that scale and the data that we get off our scale to you know, continue to provide good returns for investors through all cycles. Well, Darren, it's been an absolute pleasure um, talking with you today. REITs are hot property in our, uh, our, our community at the moment, pun intended. Um, so it's been a pleasure to sort of hear directly from you about how you're thinking about Dexas and, and more broadly the property landscape at the moment. So uh, I know a lot of our audience would have taken some value from that. Uh, very much appreciate your time and, and uh, good luck for the future. Thanks, guys. Good to meet you. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Equity Mates. We love hearing from you. So drop us a line at contact at equitymates.com or even better, go to your podcast player and leave a five-star review. Also, a reminder that the Equity Mates content train doesn't stop when you've run out of episodes to binge. We've got a brand new website, a Facebook discussion group. We're on Instagram, YouTube, and slowly making our way as an influencer on TikTok. Well, that's Ren. So uh, come and say hello and join the community. We'd love to welcome you. Until next time. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast or video. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.